It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Wednesday morning to you and it really is a chilly morning out there so wrap up warm I was sort of headed out to work just before 8 had to de-ice the car and everything completely forgot there was a frost forecast overnight so it is uh, chilly but it's bright and there's blue skies and it's just it's beautiful I love these kind of crisp fresh days the rain I just you get sick of it and you can go nowhere and do nothing but if you wrap up warm today you certainly can get out and about so do try at some stage to get out and get a bit of exercise a little bit of a walk we've got Bernie and Sadie taking your calls today if there's anything you want to share with us we'd love to hear from you 1850 you can text her WhatsApp 0862103103 we know that Neffet are meeting today they'll make their recommendations to the government still don't know if the government are going to make the announcement tomorrow or will they hold off until Friday? Yesterday there was much speculation that the announcement of moving out of level 5 to level 3 is what is expected would be made on Thursday rather than Friday so so as not to clash with the toy show. (laughs) I don't know how much truth is in that or not because I heard earlier this morning the speculation that it is going to be Friday before we hear from uh, Micheál Martin but it's interesting that Neffet have been asked to meet a day earlier they normally meet on a Thursday to make their recommendations and then the government make the announcement on Friday. So I suppose from that people are speculating if Neffet are meeting on Wednesday they'll relay back the information to the government today. Government could meet tomorrow and then we could have at some stage tomorrow Micheál Martin addressing uh, the nation. It is looking like pubs will be allowed to serve customers indoors but and it comes with a but those pubs have got to be proper 
gastropubs. They have to have a kitchen. They have to have a chef on uh, site. The government is examining all the new rules which will reduce the number of pubs that will be allowed to open in the coming weeks. And the plan uh, being discussed will only allow genuine gastro pubs and restaurants to serve indoors and it will prevent premises from serving customers alcohol by providing food from other businesses which certainly happened the last time. The government, they want to crack down on the pubs who were using oven pizzas or serving sandwiches or going to the local takeaway around the corner and bringing in fish and chips and they were using that as the excuse of a €9 Euro substantial rule, substantial meal. The new rules are likely though to spark anger among publicans some of whom were previously able to open but now because of this ruling that they must have a kitchen, they must have a chef on site, it means that many of those pubs that had opened will certainly be closed in the lead up to Christmas. We're actually going to be speaking with publicans today on the programme. Now, if the proposals are approved by the Cabinet, it will will allow for indoor dining in December because under Level 3, indoor dining is not allowed. So that's where we're going to be moving to Level 3. But it'll be Level 3 with a couple of add-ons and a couple of bits taken away from it. So it'll be certainly a different Level 3 to the one if you go on to gov.ie today. You can get some idea what Level 3 looks like, but it certainly is going to be very different. They're talking about a three-stage plan for reopening the country from next month for example. Next week, non-essential retail will open. That will include hairdressers, barbers and gyms. Outdoor sports, golfers, tennis, people who like to play tennis, they're all expected to be permitted from next week. The five kilometre travel ban that we're currently living under, that may also be lifted and people will be allowed to travel only within their own county. We won't be allowed outside of Cork. And then inter-county travel for non-essential reasons will also uh, will continue to be banned to be banned the ban on household visits may not be lifted next week that's expected to remain in place until later in December it's proposed then the second phase of restrictions will see the restaurants and the bars that serve food as long as they've got a kitchen and a chef they'll allow them to reopen and then the third phase of restrictions will see household visits permitted along with inter-county travel it's expected that's going to be closed closer to Christmas to allow people to return home and to see their families and guidance then will be issued on how to have a safe gathering and people will be asked to limit the number of households meeting in any one home. Keeping rooms ventilated while people are visiting were, will be seen as key to reducing the spread of the uh, virus. They're, but again, I thought about this this morning on a bitterly cold morning. Keeping the room ventilated is fine, but will we all be sitting there with hat scarves and uh, gloves on? I know some of the recommendations they're going to give is like, don't have a gravy boat on the table. There's no passing of the gravy boat uh, if you're if you're having other family members or friends gathered around. It's to try to do social distancing as much as we can and trying to stick to all of the rules and uh, regulations. Restrictions may be once again increased in January and that will be to stop any further spread of the virus ahead of the vaccine being rolled out uh, in the new year. So even the fact that they're talking about that, that they'll ease restrictions, but then it looks like restrictions will be back in the new year is kind of telling us, isn't it, that they're going to allow us to have Christmas, but they know by allowing people to have Christmas there will be a spread of the virus. The government is also currently looking at reintroducing the ban on household visits and inter 
intercounty travel. That's expected. We're going to be back with that in January. Sometime around January the 6th is a date that's been speculated. They're also examining data which has shown that household gatherings, celebrations after sporting events and college parties were among the key drivers of the new COVID-19 cases. Micheál Martin yesterday warned the second wave of the coronavirus is far from over. He said if there's one thing we know now is that taking the virus for granted is the foundation for its spread. He said the very thing we value most in our society, which is our sense of family, our sense of community, can be a major threat when we hold social gatherings and move in hospitality uh, settings. And yesterday, figures are dropping. The number of daily cases yesterday, 226. And 226 new cases was the lowest since mid-September. But we're still off the target of 100. They were hoping by the 1st of September 1st of December to have the figure at 100 a day it's coming down but I don't know if it will be down at 100 by next week so uh, 226 cases for yesterday I think was there 6 deaths we can never forget the number of families while people are looking forward and trying to plan for some kind of a Christmas think of the families who are not going to have everybody around their Christmas table this year because of uh, COVID-19. So then just a quick synopsis of what the three different phases looks like. Phase one. Phase one is going to be introduced this day week, the December the 2nd. And that's to me because I thought that they'd bring in the new phase. I thought they'd kick it off on a Monday to give businesses a chance of a full week, but they're not. So it will be from next Wednesday. And I suppose that's got to do with as well to give all the businesses a bit of a lead in if they announce it on Friday. It'll give them Saturday, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday to get the businesses ready to open up. So this day next week, we can expect to see the non-essential retail outlets, which have been closed now for six weeks. They'll all be able to uh, reopen. Does mean people can get out and do their Christmas shopping. The hairdressers, a lot of people wait for the hairdressers the barbers the nail technicians the beauticians all of them will be allowed to open the gyms are expected to be allowed to reopen this day next week museums galleries and cinemas all expected to open next Wednesday and churches and this certainly is going to be welcomed by a lot of people churches will be allowed to reopen it'll be a maximum attendance uh, at mass of 50 people so we'll be back to the way we were before we went into the level 5 locked lockdown and there's a lot of people certainly contacting us on this programme saying when we'll be allowed to go back to Mass so that will be from next Wednesday. Outdoor sporting events like golf and tennis they're expected to be permitted. The five kilometre travel ban that we're all living under at the moment that will be lifted but you'll only be able to stay within your own county and we're blessed in Cork because of the size of the county and there's so many places that you can go and visit if you really want to go and uh, visit. Uh, So we've got cities, we've got urban towns and uh, we've got lots of scenic places to go. So we'll be be happy enough with that. Again, as I mentioned, travelling outside of the county for non-essential reasons, that's going, that ban will remain in place. Then phase two. Now phase two is possibly the week beginning the 7th of December. So it's only the week after. Okay, that hasn't been confirmed though that date. That's when the restaurants and the bars that serve food will be allowed to uh, reopen with the government ministers saying they're now considering indoor dining. It has to be indoor dining. We are living, we're in December, we're in the height of winter. There is no way businesses can survive with outdoor dining. At the nine euro substantial meal is being reviewed with officials looking at new def- definitions for restaurants to ensure 
sure that pubs are legitimately serving food. Uh, the so-called wet pubs, they are likely to remain closed until at least the new year. That's what's been speculated about in the papers today. And then phase three will be the final phase of the opening up of the country under level three. That date hasn't been announced yet, but it's expected to be close to Christmas I'm assuming the Monday before Christmas, you know, the, the start, the official start of Christmas week. I'm thinking it'll be then, but as I say, we've, we're waiting a confirmation. That's when the ban on inter-county travel will be lifted. So it means you can go home if you need to go home for Christmas. Household visits will also be uh, permitted. And it's at that point guidance will be issued on how to have a safe gathering over Christmas, where I'm speculating we'll be told not to pass the gravy boat and to keep Granny near the window. We'll wait and see. And there will also be uh, limits on the numbers allowed in one household. Now, those limits are not expected, but there may be limits on the number of other households allowed in your home at any one time. And that kind of makes sense because it's going to be hard to limit the number of people because if you are having, say, three families getting together and the three families make up 15 people and the limit is only 12 people, how do you tell three of them what to do till one one from each household you're not allowed to tend because it brings us over the limit so there won't be a limit on the number but there will be a limit on the number of households that can come to a house at any one time and I'm assuming possibly that figure of three maybe four different households can gather for Christmas Day but no more than that and then as to how many you have in uh, that you'll be allowed to, to pick that number yourself. 1850 As I say, we don't know when we're going to get this announcement, whether it is going to be tomorrow or Friday, but that's what it's looking like. We're going to move out of Level 5 into Level 3, but it will be done on a phased basis. 1850 Your thoughts and comments welcomed. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 Your questions in. Morning, Patricia. Will hotels be allowed to open? Will they be open for Christmas and will people be allowed to uh, book in at some Duncan in uh, Cork well under level 3 yes hotels are allowed to open and they're allowed to operate and, and their facilities are allowed to operate for residents if there's a particular hotel you have in mind Duncan I would be suggesting put a call in because I think there probably will be people will decide just to go away and have a nice leisurely Christmas and go away if hotels are opening over Christmas now it'll be up to individual hotels whether they decide to open or not but certainly under level 3 uh, it would look like hotels can open as I say if you've got a hotel in mind I'd be ringing them today Duncan and Mary says Patricia you made me laugh by saying don't pass the gravy boat and keep granny by the window the thing is uh, granny could get pneumonia instead of coronavirus it's the thing I'm thinking of as well when they're talking about these well having well ventilated uh, rooms fantastic if we all had air conditioning but we don't have air conditioning and the only way to have the well ventilated room is to keep the window open and on a freezing cold morning like this morning uh, yeah, if we have a nice mild Christmas, it'll be OK. But if we don't, it could be a very, very uh, different thing. Hi, Patricia. Will betting shops be allowed to open? Yes, they will, because betting shops closed uh, because they were not categorised as non... They were as they were categorised as non-essential retail and we're told that all non-essential retail will be allowed to open for next Wednesday. So, yes, betting shops will be allowed to open. And Sue in Dunmanway says, Patricia, Hey, 
let's lift all restrictions now we might as well the whole thing of dropping our guard just so we can celebrate Christmas is absolutely madness let's tell Covid stop infecting people for a week or two would you we're celebrating Christmas I'm having no one round for Christmas says Sue call me boring if you want but that's what I've decided uh, to do listen Sue if that's what you think is going to keep you safe you are absolutely dead right to do it and it's a little bit like when people are grieving and having a bereavement in the run up to Christmas we're always saying to people there's no right right or wrong way to do it it's going to be the very same uh, this year with Covid if you feel safe, safer and more secure uh, by having Christmas on your own and you're happy to do that then absolutely you go ahead with that and don't feel pressurised in having to have people over or in ha- or having to go to somebody uh, else's uh, house. But likewise, for people who don't want to be on their own, if they want to go and visit, the restrictions will be lifted, which will allow them to do it. 1850 Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 103 103. And as the country awaits the government announcement on when we will move out of level five restrictions. The business group Ismay has said it would be preferable if the Black Friday sales event due to take place this week is pushed back to give smaller retailers the chance to compete. Ismay's CEO is Neil MacDonald who uh, joins me. Good morning to you Neil. Good morning Patricia. And you're welcome. Now I believe France has made the decision to wait for Black Friday until small retailers are open. Do you know was that a French government decision? Apparently not. Apparently it was a decision of some of the larger retailers to do that. Um, Although the the French government is famous for being quite interventionist on this. But it does make sense, obviously, given uh, the extent to which uh, small retailers have have had their trade um, suppressed by COVID over the last number of weeks. And your fear is that a lot of people may have their money spent and their presents bought before the smaller shops are allowed to open and we're speculating it'll be next Wednesday before they're opened. Well, as things stand, and and we had it confirmed by the government yesterday morning that the retail group uh, that, that meets on a regular basis in the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment confirmed that as things stand now, the level six closure remains in place until the first of December, and it, and that's midnight on the first. It ends, so it will be the second. Um, but I think the point we were trying to make on on this Black Friday thing, and let's not forget, Black Friday is a is a is a, is a new uh, affectation we've seen in Ireland. But where it comes from is the United States, and it, it actually isn't a pre-Christmas sale at all. It's a post-Thanksgiving sale. It, it really doesn't have anything to do with the Christmas sales cycle. And whatever about the rights and wrongs of it been in place before, it's it really doesn't make sense for people to be discounting stock for a Black Friday in, in the context of where their doors have been shut for six weeks. Uh, I mean, it will really impose quite significant losses on, on small retailers. And indeed, I was in town uh, before this level uh, uh, five lockdown occurred and I could see uh, women's clothing stores uh, in in Dublin, at least, were, were basically doing stock clearance sales bef- before this thing occurred. So we just don't think it's appropriate to be doing sales activity uh, now in the in the lead up to Christmas when 
so many people are going to lose so much money on stock anyway. Yeah, because we, I mean, traditionally in this country, the sales started on St. Stephen's, St. Stephen's Day. When did we take on the American concept of Black Friday? It, it has been in the last number of years. It's crept up slowly. It was more... It, it, it was more a, an, an internet or an online sales phenomenon when it started, because obviously we don't have a Thanksgiving holiday on the on the twenty second of November ourselves, um, and it, it started as an online pre Christmas uh, discount. You're absolutely right to say that traditionally the sales cycle here um, involved normal sales until Christmas Eve and then sales, discounted sales from uh, Stephen's Day onwards. Um, and and there was also traditionally a, a sort of a, a country shopping in Dublin on the 8th of December. Yeah, yeah. Remember as well, everybody uh, headed yeah, to the big and, cities. Yes. And all of that has been kind of upended. I mean, online sales have affected those who, who don't... Uh, you know, or who have a limited online presence, it, they have been adversely affected anyway. But it is important for people to understand that all sales activity, whether you're talking about hanging garments or fancy goods or um, um, the, the likes of cakes or puddings for Christmas, they go through a sales cycle where they're they're at full price for a number of days or weeks and then they are discounted. What has happened with the level uh, five lockdown is that that normal sales cycle has been disrupted. Yeah. Those shops had stocked up uh, in early October for a standard sales cycle in November leading into December and then they would be discounted after that. Now, with a little bit of allowance for some people have adopted this Black Friday uh, concept, but this year we've had no sales lead up to Black Friday. Um, Therefore, people are looking at immediately discounting stock. They never had an opportunity to sell in the first place. And that's what's very disruptive. And that's going to make it difficult for for businesses. Have many of your members moved to online during lockdown? Uh, A great many members are availing of uh, the supports now that are available. Uh, Yes, they are moving online, but... we're always at at pains to point out that uh, online sales are their own specialist distribution channel. You can't just, you know, enable your website to take payments and assume that everything's going to fly out the door. There is a whole supply chain associated with online sales. You have to understand uh, your picking routine, your packing routine, putting stuff into boxes, there is a whole uh, commercial aspect to how you manage the distribution with OnPost or one of the other distributors. And then there's a return uh, uh, system as well because a lot of a substantial number of garments that are sold online are returned. You have to have all of those pieces of the online jigsaw right before you'll have a successful online sales operation. And, and I was reading some 70% of online sales in Ireland gets spent abroad. That's a lot of money, isn't it, that's going out of this country? It, it absolutely is. It, it is a reason that um, the government has been incentivizing businesses to get online in the last number of years. 
I am happy to say that that figure is dropping. It is it's closer to 50% now, but it's still a very substantial uh, uh, volume of total retail trade. When you, when you go online, the, you know, typically when you do a Google search, the first uh, few results you will get will be large multinational online vendors before, you know, you will have to scroll down your search before you find an Irish company selling online. And and I know the, tomorrow we're talking with a Cork group or are behind the campaign to turn Black Friday uh, to Green Friday by uh, shopping locally. We all have a role to play here. Absolutely. And um, ISMI isn't saying, uh, you know, in in our own uh, shop local map for Christmas campaign, we're not suggesting that people are going to, you know, spend 100% of their Christmas shop domestically. But what we are saying is if people would make an effort just to, to ensure that at least a proportion, you know, a third or a half of their spend does go to domestic online retailers or bricks and mortar retailers from next week, it it would really be a help. What, whatever about previous years, we're now doing dealing with a retail sector that's absolutely on its knees. Uh, their their workers have been furloughed. They're on they're on wage supplement, um, or they're on the PUP. So these people, you know, are really looking forward to trying to get some sort of sales activity going before Christmas so that they'll have a decent income themselves. So, yes, it's yeah. absolutely important and those, those, that everyone tries. Neil, those small businesses are the ones that local community groups and GAA clubs and fundraising organisations go to when they're looking for a bit of sponsorship or they're looking for a prize for the raffle. Uh, you know, they, they're the ones that have supported people in the past. It's really now time for everybody to step up and, and, and give them a bit of a dig out this Christmas. That, that's a really important point, Patricia, because, you know, when you go, go to your local gap pitch or your local soccer pitch, the banners around the pitch are those are, yeah, are, are those, typically those small businesses yeah. that are helping out. And it'd be dreadful to see to see any of them go. And also just to give people words of warning about Black Friday when you are going online, that not every bargain is a bargain. I was reading, I think it was in the Irish Independent yesterday, they did a really good survey where they were looking at prices before Black Friday and then the, the sale price. And in many cases, they were exactly the same but it was made to look like you were having a big saving so so be careful uh, everything isn't as it uh, seems and Anil are you hoping that the announcement of the moving to uh, level 3 will be made tomorrow or we're still trying to get to, is it going to be tomorrow or is it going to be Friday we understand that the cabinet is meeting tomorrow and we are expecting uh, as of yesterday, we were told to expect an announcement tomorrow. So okay. we're we're taking it on in good faith that we are, and and businesses do need a level of notice. It is you know employees need to be told what's happening. They can't just turn around on a dime. There's uh, there's childcare to be arranged. There's transport to be arranged. Um, people are entitled to notice of changes of shifts or return to work. So it is absolutely essential that the government gives uh, retailers as much notice as possible of, of what's happening. And, and secondly, of course, it's, it's not just about the retailers. There are other activities that, you know, people partake in when they go out shopping, such as uh, dining and personal grooming. So we are hopeful of good news uh, from the restaurant sector and the hairdressing and barber sector as well. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, Neil, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. 
Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Ismay's CEO, Neil MacDonald. 086. Um, our lines are open. Our texts are WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. You can ring Sadie or Bernie at 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 to to open together. The Cork Chair of the Vintners Federation once again joins me at Michael O'Donovan. Good morning to you Michael. Good morning Patricia. Michael is there a sense that wet, wet pubs will be sacrificed to allow restaurants and gastro pubs to open instead? Yes, unfortunately the soundings coming out of um, I suppose Leinster House for the last couple of days have been that, uh, that wet pubs will be sacrificed for I suppose pubs and um, that uh, that do food and I think they're even going to have a caveat on the pubs that do food and that you have to have a fully operational kitchen with um, staff employed to work in the kitchen um, so it's uh, it's going to make it difficult they're going to um, I think stop this uh, um, takeaway uh, being brought into pubs um, that's their aim um, but look we have to wait and see until be it Thursday evening or Friday morning um, uh, the final detail of it but the soundings coming out are um, are I suppose they're worrying because I think it's it's coming to a case where um, I think that they don't trust the publicans to follow the guidelines that they set out or I think that they're not trusting the staff that work within our bars or even the customers that come in um, so it's very worrying in, in, in that aspect of it. And when you were allowed to o- open, even though it was, it was only for a couple of weeks... 16 was, days. Was it 16 days? Was there any evidence that wet pubs posed a greater risk than restaurants? No, uh, Patricia. The HSE facts are that... Uh, um, and these are the HSE's own uh, weekly uh, detailed analysis of where the clusters come from. Um, 0.19 of the clusters, it's 0.19, imagine, not even 1% of the clusters came from uh, public houses. Uh, 0.22 came from restaurants where 75% were from a private house setting. There was um, nearly 18% were from meat factories. So, like, we're so far down the, the, the list of um, I suppose instances where clusters have have formed, it's been. It, it look, it's just very disappointing to hear that we're being singled out again, um, in by this government. And look, we appreciate there's publicans right across the country are worried and they have health issues themselves, or they may be elderly publicans. And we've I suppose campaigned that the support should stay in place. And what we've said is we hope all hospitality can open, but at least publicans would have the choice if they wanted to open um, in that scenario where the government aren't giving us the choice to open. But the outdoor dining or outdoor drinking, that really is a non-runner, isn't it? Because we're, you know, we're in the middle of winter. <laughs> you said it, we're in the middle of winter. Like a, if a night like last night where it's down to two degrees, I think. You know, you can have... I said as I think to you before, you can have the heaters, you can have the canopies, you can have windbreakers, but it's still not a very attractive uh, proposition to sit outside to have a meal and then maybe go for a drink or two before the meal or after the meal. Um, it's just not. Uh, look, it, it's Ireland. It's December. It's it's it, it's just not practical. You know, if uh, as we said, we need to open. Uh, have the choice to open and then for it to be indoors for both dining and for consuming drinks. 
What did you make of the scenes in Cork City Centre last weekend and for the last couple of weekends before that? Um, I suppose, look, the, the optics of it weren't great, I will say that, but um, what we have learned is that, um, look, most of the bars did close down around 8 o'clock um, on, on the night in question, and it was mainly a younger cohort that were in the city um, those nights. Um, I suppose, look, they have nowhere else to go. They're going to, I suppose, cabin fever has set in for them the last two weeks. There's pent up, I suppose, energy with them. So uh, I think they wanted to go out and from... Look, last weekend's scenes, it wasn't, um, I suppose, the so-called takeaway points were the issue. It was other uh, um, other substances, I think, were in question. So it's, um, it's look, I suppose, it's, it's young people just getting out, and I think the lockdown for them has been extremely difficult. But the argument is that if the pubs were, were open, they would have had some place to go. They wouldn't be all hanging around on the streets. Yeah, look, we, we saw it during the summer, I think, when, when I suppose at least our colleagues that were doing food and even pubs that did, you know, take away um, pizzas or chicken wings, this ridiculous nine euro requirement that was there during the summer. But look, I suppose when we when we were open during the summer, people had an outlet to socialise. People could get out. I know it was under difficult guidelines, but at least there was the the prospect of getting out, meeting a friend, um, meeting two friends under the guidelines that it was. Uh, and it, as you said, it was there, that option, where for the last number of weeks, it's just been taken away with this lockdown. And um, and look for hospitality, levels three, four, five. Uh, it hasn't made any difference. Um, and that's why we're calling on the government under what we're now told level three will go to next Wednesday, um, that we need to see indoor and outdoor dining and for all hospitality. But as as we said at the outset, the, the rumblings and the leaks is looking like you won't uh, open, at Michael. If you don't open this side of the new year, how does that affect you? I mean, what kind of a turnover would you make in December and, and would a typical pub make in December? Look, the, for for me personally in, in, in the city, it would, it, uh, the month of December, I suppose, really, the it would make 30% of my yearly takings would be taken. As high in, as that? In, in the in the four weeks. And look, from the last weekend of November through to the, I suppose, to the 2nd of January, every night is Saturday night. There's no difference. And like, it's it's just seven nights a week. You have, um, you, have you know, corporate nights. Uh, you have uh, family nights. You have friends meeting up. It's just, look, it, it, it's a busy time, but it's also a very enjoyable time. Uh, I suppose I look forward to the period between Christmas and New Year's Day because you'd meet lots of people coming into the bar that are home from Christmas. Uh, you probably wouldn't have seen them from one end of the year to the other. They'd have been customers that would have come in probably a few years ago when they were younger and you'd be inquiring how they're getting on, where are they. It's great uh, to see it. And like, um, I suppose for... I suppose the communities and like uh, families meeting up, meeting other families, it'll be, it'll be, it'll just be, I suppose, really tough to see how this Christmas will go. Um, we appreciate public health is the the number one thing, but I suppose mental health and I suppose, look, there's a community of, I suppose, we can speak, I can speak personally here, locals that we have, elderly men and women, um, they'll be very lonely this Christmas. Yeah. And is the not knowing, Michael, adding to the stress levels of your members? I mean, everything we're talking about is, is you know, it's speculation, it's rumours, it's uh, even though traditionally they've always been spot on when Michael Martin does get, get to make the speech, we'll know most of it. But is it that not knowing? Absolutely. And for members and our staff, it is as well, because look, 
nobody knows are, are we going back to work aren't we going back to work um, and like it's we're seeing now it's having knock-on effects with breweries there's been a, um, a brewery here um, that has uh, m- uh, made redundancies and like this will be the I think what will come from our industry for the next couple of months um, and like it's, it's heartbreaking for those people that are losing their jobs permanently you could say um, and like I suppose where we look to the future, look to the next few months and see can we get our businesses back. Uh, for those people, I feel so sorry that they're going signing on and they have a very uncertain future. Um, but look, for us as publicans, even our f- future, I think, uh, is very uncertain because without this trade, I suppose, losing the summer trade and losing the Christmas trade, um, they're two hammer blows. Like a, it, It'll be 10 months nearly before we'll open probably and not too many industries can survive that. Yeah, it's tough. It really is tough. Okay, listen, Michael, once again, thank you uh, for joining us on the programme and um, no doubt we'll speak again, but uh, look after yourself. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning. Take care. Bye-bye. That is uh, Michael O'Donovan, Chair of the Vintners Federation, seeing it from the publicans' uh, side. I can see lots of people are saying you can't, there's no way we can allow the pubs to open. It's just not going to happen. Um, But we we wait for the announcement to be made, but it is very much speculated that the wet pubs will be sacrificed so that the gastro pubs and the restaurants can, can open and open for indoor dining. But when you think of the pubs that were allowed to open, it's got to be the genuine gastro pubs will be the only ones that will be allowed to open. They'll have to have a chef. They'll have to have proper kitchens. They won't be able to, as somebody said, throw empty pizza boxes up on tables because we know some pubs did abuse it. Other pubs went to Great Lens and got in pizza ovens and, and things like that. And others used local takeaway services instead so that they were able to serve the substantial meal for €9 Euro and then serve their drinks at the same time. They certainly are not going to be allowed to do that this time round. 1850-333-103. Somebody says, what's the point of Michael Martin giving us a speech when it's all been leaked uh, already? Well, that's, well, we've got the main headlines. There'll be a lot more contained uh, in the speech from Michael Martin for sure. Because somebody is asking, Patricia, will the gun clubs, Kevin, thank you Kevin, put your name in your text, will the gun clubs be allowed to reopen? I don't know anything I've seen. I haven't heard mention of gun clubs. They are talking about sporting some sports activities going ahead for example golf has been mentioned and tennis clubs have been mentioned that they certainly are going to be allowed to reopen will gun clubs fall in under the other sporting events uh, we're going to have to wait and uh, see 1850 we've got Sadie and Bernie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 we're going to take a break and coming up in the next hour we're going to speak about why we need new laws to stop the sharing of intimate images online This is Court Today Court Today with Patricia Messon on C103. C103. And I've had an email in from somebody looking for advice. And I'm going to give it out and, and, and I welcome listeners' advice because I really think this uh, lady is in a right pickle and a right old dilemma at the moment. It says, Hi Patricia, I'm looking for some advice from you and your listeners, please. I have a big birthday coming up in early December. Can I be the first to say happy birthday to you? It'll be after we come out of the level five lockdown. My dilemma is around how to mark the occasion. My two brothers are happy enough to mark it with separate garden visits. But I'm concerned about one group of friends. The group is made up of four adults and one two-year-old coming from three different households. 
they all want to meet up for an hour or so. Now, they want to do it in the open air, which is very understanding of them. But I'm nervous as I haven't met more than two people together since March. Also, even if I meet most people in ones or twos outside for a walk, etc., by the end of the birthday weekend, I could end up having met 14 people from 11 different households, albeit over uh, a course of a few days. That seems like too many people to me. Although the regulations are a little bit grey here, in Level 3, for example, you are allowed to meet six people from two households at a time. But it seems like you can just turn around an hour later and meet another six people from two other households, which has never made any sense uh, to me. I do realise how lucky I am to have friends and families who want to celebrate with me and who are trying to be considerate of my wishes. But I'm beginning to feel a little bit stressed about it all as I'm the sole living carer for my elderly mother. Any advice would be welcome. Thanking you. And that's signed by Ruth, one of our listeners who really is in a right pickle. And, and you know, it saddens me, Ruth, that you're getting stressed and worried about it. And I'm, and I'm wondering, have you passed on to your friends in particular your concerns in the way you've put a really good email together for me because every single line that I read of your email I can see how worried and concerned you are and in the main it's to do with your elderly mother. You've been almost cocooned with your elderly mother and you're doing that to protect her and no doubt to protect yourself as well. So I can see where your concerns are are coming from. But of course, you don't want to offend anyone and you don't want to upset anyone. And when people are being kind enough to say we want to celebrate your special birthday with you, I can see how you've ended up in this little bit of a dilemma. So we'll throw it out to the listeners and see what advice would you give to Ruth? How does she go about celebrating and in some way marking the birthday because she needs to do that as well. But how does she do it in a way that she feels safe and that she isn't coming home from any of these little outdoor gatherings stressed out of her head thinking that she may have picked up coronavirus or worse that she gets a phone call to say she's been contact traced and that one of the people she was with ends up getting confirmed COVID-19 positive. If you've you've got advice for Ruth, will you share it with us uh, please? 1850-333-103 You can ring Bernie or Sadie or you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and of course you you can also email the programme, Patricia, at c103.ie. If you were in the same position as Ruth, having a special birthday, these wonderful friends. And I mean, I think what your two brothers are doing is the right thing. Two separate visits. You know, they're even spacing there they're so that you'll have one brother one day, one brother the next day. You know, so they're not even making it a large uh, gathering. But it's the friends added into the mix. And that does seem like a lot of people bearing in mind that Ruth has been with no more than two people since March of, of this year. She's been extremely careful. So any advice are welcomed this morning, please. Now, a lot of texts in about the pubs, which I'm going to get to. But before I do, I take it that this is a business owner or somebody going back to work. It's uh, Rose in uh, Cove. Rose says, morning, Patricia. Could you tell me, please, if you know, if it's early Tuesday morning, December the 1st, that approved businesses are reopening or is it from midnight 
Tuesday the 1st. So that they would actually be opening on Wednesday, December the 2nd in reality. Uh, do you know what it is? I do. And I only found this out yesterday because I actually thought that they would be allowing businesses to open on Monday, but they're not. They're leaving the rules and the restrictions for Level 5 in place until midnight on the 1st of December, which means that businesses, the non-essential retail and other businesses that have been forced to close under level five will then be allowed to reopen on the second. So whatever time you normally open at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock, whatever it is. So it'll be Wednesday before all of those businesses are allowed to uh, reopen. Now on the pubs, hi Patricia, thank you for your morning programme. You've helped me during lockdown. Well listen, anything we can do. Thank you for that. Why is the pub closure such a big topic. Surely we can have a lovely Christmas without any of the pubs open, open, opening. By the way, I'm not against alcohol, but I feel this whole issue around alcohol and pubs opening and restaurants opening, it seems to have taken over. It seems to be all that anybody wants to uh, talk about. Hi Patricia, they may as well they may as well keep all the pubs closed. Who are they trying to cut? What kind of Egypts do they think we are? Every town and village has a pub with their own on-site kitchen and resident chef. So people living in towns and villages will still have nowhere to go. There is still a large number of elderly people living in these areas with no family and still won't be allowed to go out and meet up with friends for a chat and pass away a few hours. Shame on this uh, government. And sorry, I just realised in the text the sister was saying that they're... in many towns and villages there might be the only one pub and they don't have an on-site kitchen and they don't have a resident uh, chef so it's going to close it's going to keep the majority of pubs closed and then you've got elderly people who would like to get out for a pint particularly over Christmas and over the the festive season and they won't be able to do it. Hi Patricia, this is signed a Cork lady. Never took a drink in my life but I think that the pubs should be allowed to open and close the off licences instead. You'd have a much better controlled drinking environment. Also, it would stop under 18s being served. A lot of the older people will be very lonely this Christmas as their only local country pub was their only outing and to chat with their uh, friends feeling for older people. And hi Patricia, I'm the mother of a publican. This situation is absolutely unbearable on him. He doesn't open until six in the evening and when he's when he does his clientele would be farmers. Mostly it's mostly it's local people. It's a small country pub. He has a massive mortgage. He's done all of the required precautions that he was asked to do and taken all put all the measures in place. He's on his knees and now hearing that the pubs won't open, that the pubs with a chef will only be allowed to open. So unfair on his customers, but also on him himself. Their mental health is a huge uh, worry. Yeah. There's, and you know, there's so many. I know Michael O'Donovan, who I just spoke with from the Vintners, talks about that, talks about in particular people in very rural areas. And if they don't own, if it's not, you know, a family business that they've inherited, but if they don't own the business and they've got a big mortgage and we don't remember there's still ongoing costs in keeping the pub, even though the pub's door isn't open, they still have to pay insurance. They still have to pay electricity because they still have to have heating and things on in the building. You know, there's, there's still a lot of expenses, even though they're not taking in a red cent. It's really, really tough. And it isn't, I have no good news for you because certainly it isn't looking like there is any indication that wet pubs are the pub the type of pub that your son runs there isn't any indication that that's not going to open until certainly well into the new year 
Uh, hang in there and hope, uh, hope it gets things get better for uh, your son. Thank you for your text. And another text here when, we, when Michael O'Donovan was talking about young people getting cabin fever. He was saying that's the reason that we've so many young people congregating in the cities at the weekends. And we heard also during the week, it isn't just cities, it's in all of our towns as well. This texter says, look at the cabin fever that elderly people have been put through, all because of those idiots on the streets. Also school goers have witnessed a vast amount of them not wearing masks particularly outside petrol stations and other shops and they're gathered together outside the doorway and they're not abiding by the rules and regulations. And Sandy says, re granny sitting by the window on Christmas Day where we're expecting is going to be one of the suggestions. Air conditioning, I was saying we don't have air conditioning so you'd have to have the window opening open. Sandy says, air conditioning would not be my idea of good ventilation in a house unless you had a top notch filtration system. In my opinion, air conditioning systems just circulate any bacteria in the house. Just open all the windows a little bit, allow a gale to blow in before and after guests come and go. Wear extra clothing and moderate heating settings. Some recommend a return to the design of well-aired buildings such as were built in the era of high TB levels in this country. They're almost barn-like in design says Sandy. Will that be the way forward? Will that be the buildings of the future, I wonder? Another texter. Will the church doors have to stay open during Sunday Mass? I I don't know. Did they stay open the last time when Mass was allowed to go ahead for 50 people? They will say a well-ventilated building, but then when you look at the size of churches, they're huge, in many cases, huge, huge buildings. So I simply don't know the answer to that. If they had to remain open the last time, then maybe they'll suggest uh, the same uh, thing uh, again. Uh, Again, it's a matter of wait and see. Some of your calls in, James says, on the churches reopening, in my opinion, half of the people in Ireland don't even go to Mass and certainly many young people don't go. So I don't know what your point is, James. Are you saying we shouldn't be opening the churches? Anyway, James says the sales in off-licences will skyrocket if they keep the wet pubs closed. Can't understand it. No one will stick to these restrictions anyway. People didn't stick to the restrictions all under level five. Why will they suddenly do it under new level three? House parties are still going on and if they open to the pubs, they might be able to control the drinking there. Otherwise, you know what will happen? It's off to the off-licence and people will have their own parties instead. John says, close the whole place, the entire country. Close the whole place down for a month. Fully locked down this country. John feels it's an awful mistake to be opening up anything for Christmas. Covid knows nothing about Christmas and celebrating. I think it's better to have no Christmas this year and then try to get back to some kind of normality in the new year and that's what they've done in other countries, particularly New Zealand and Australia. At the end of the day, says John, it's only one Christmas. John says, I don't have many Christmases left myself but I would happily and willingly give up this one just to be able to get back to normal. They are crazy to be even suggesting opening up uh, pubs just at a time when we're starting to get it right and the figures are starting to come down. They'll open the pubs and the figures will just go straight back up uh, again. John in Cove says the pubs should stay closed for a few more months. He also reckons schools should close. Are we aware of the outbreak in the Glanmire National School? Yeah, it's the it's the Gwale School, isn't it? Is it 17... Was it 17 uh, pupils? Are, I, I don't know if it's pupils and staff or just uh, pupils. They've ch- 17 children have been diagnosed with coronavirus and they've shut it. It's Gwail Skull Idrish Goyle in Glanmire. They've closed it now for four 
15 days and it's a small enough school there's 200 pupils there they've had outbreaks in five classrooms and uh, parents were informed last night that they're closing the school until the 8th of uh, December and according to the Irish Examiner a spokesperson for the school said they had no comment to make on the advice of the Department of Education except that they followed the HSE guidelines and those of the department at all times and the school confirmed their parents were to be informed 100% um, what was going on and they have the highest standards of protocols in place but the school is now closed for two weeks but I go back again when people shout for schools uh, to be closed down we still when you look at the 4,000 odd schools that are in the country we've had a very low number of outbreaks at schools it's rare that you hear of a school closing like that Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's actually a lot more outbreaks in the community than there is inside in the classroom itself but certainly for the parents of those children it's a worrying time in Glanmire. Leo says uh, Patricia what about the GAA and other sports clubs will they be opening next week? All we're hearing so far Leo on sports is that tennis clubs and golf clubs will be allowed to open. I do know that a plan to allow greater numbers of fans to attend matches in large stadia is being developed by Catherine Martin, who is the sports minister's minister. But government sources are saying that that will not be ready until the new year, which means that fans will not be able to attend All-Ireland Football and Hurling uh, finals. They definitely will be going ahead behind closed doors. It will be at least the new year before we're looking at plans to allow people to go into some of the large uh, stadia. Uh, as of now, that is not go- that's not going ahead. So uh, other sports clubs, I don't know. I simply, that's why we do have to wait for Michal Martin to make his address to the nation, be it tomorrow or be it on uh, Friday. And Mary Amato says, congratulations, Trish, on the big spread in the Echo today. <laughs> Thank you. I've made the middle pages. It's a lovely piece. It's, it's, a, lo- it's a lovely, lovely piece. And uh, thanks to Chris in the in the Echo for writing the piece and uh, it's got pictures and everything. It's great. So thank you. It's in today's Echo. 1850 C103 Jobs. A general assistant is wanted for a busy scrap metal, metal recycling yard in North Cork. 
experience in motor trade and plant machinery would be an advantage. Staff nurse wanted for Glendonough Nursing Home, while a front of house supervisor slash manager is wanted for a restaurant in Mallow and a ground worker with shuttering experience required for work in West Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now new laws will lead to offenders imprisoned for up to seven years for publishing or sharing intimate images online without consent. The Justice Minister Helen McEntee is to bring a memo to Cabinet this week and joining me with her views on the issue is Labour Senator Annie Hoey. Good morning to Annie. Good morning. Thanks uh, for having me. On. Well, you're very welcome. There could be a lot of victim blaming Annie around this uh, issue. Tell me about the reaction that you and your party colleague Brendan Howland got when you both posted, I believe, almost identical videos, and it was about image-based sexual abuse, and you both got very different reactions. Yes, well, that's putting it mildly in terms of different reactions. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, there was a bit of a tirade beneath my video um, of, as you said, victim blaming, but also very personal things against myself, uh, quite uh, derogatory terms about my body and all sorts of kind of things. And then um, under Brendan's one, I think people were like, well done, that's, that's great. That's a very important law. Brilliant. Uh, well done you. <laughs> I was like, what? Excuse me? Um, so I don't know if that, when, when, and, and what was interesting was that my video was really quite innocuous like we kind of just did it off the hoof we're like oh yeah we'll pop something out about that I've spoken about it before and I was the president of the Union of Students in Ireland and we've been calling for this for years so you know we just popped up the video and my golly goodness um, the, the, the heavens exploded beneath it and there was just really an awful lot of a lot of anonymous accounts and just but a lot of I mean a lot of the comments ended up Twitter ended up taking them down like wow. that was the kind of level that they were at they were being taken down for breaking community guidelines um, you know, and it was great to see that 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 response did happen. But I mean, that took people reporting it and stuff. But yeah, it was a really, I was really taken aback. Actually, I've never really and you seen both, that level. you hadn't deliberately decided. Well, you know, I'm male, you're female. Let's both share it and see the reaction. That wasn't the aim of putting up the post. No, I mean, it, it, you know, I was a, a woman who talked about it before, so I did a quick video, and then it's um, Brendan Howland's bill is the actually he actually wrote the bill, yeah, um, that will deal with this particular issue. You know, he wrote it three years ago, um, so Brendan then spoke about his bill, and like the videos were, you know, roughly the same length. They went up at roughly the same time, within twenty four hours of each other. You know, perfectly regular things that we do uh, within the party social media stuff, and uh, yeah, it was just because uh, as a and I'm sure there's other people who may be listening to this. Like sometimes you're like, maybe I'm imagining that I'm getting uh, this tirade of stuff yeah. online. It's me. So it was really interesting to actually see. Oh my goodness me! This is not just me imagining it. I mean, this was a very extreme example. I have to say, Shocking. it was really. Yeah, there was. A, I really. And like my friends and family had to see things like that. You know, and people were just like, "This is outrageous." The comments. Um, and this, this, but this bus more for Brendan. Yeah, this whole victim uh, blaming, particularly around the the young women when their their photographs get shared on online, and the argument, well, she shouldn't have had that photograph taken in the first uh, place. It's shocking, isn't it, that that argument would even be made? I mean, that's nonsense. Like that's the you shouldn't be wearing short skirts argument. That's you shouldn't have gone out argument. In fact, you know what? Women should just stay at home, be quiet, sit in a, a sack, and wait 
for, you know, you're like, that's nonsense. Like, uh, this victim blaming, and, and we do this all the time, not just in Ireland, but we have a really strong victim blaming, like, you must have done something to cause someone to perpetuate this violence against you. Like, that's nonsense. If someone, you know, attacked a man in the street and punched them out of no, you know, like, we just wouldn't say that about other crimes. You know, like, oh, you had, you, you lived in a house, therefore you deserve to get burgled. Like, it's nonsense. And and, and, and and that's really difficult, actually, for because when this came out last week, people didn't know exactly the extent of it. They didn't know if they were up on it. There were people for whom this is a, had affected them before. You know, and, and there was all this commentary. I, I, I was actually on a different radio show, and someone was like, oh, well, I'm, when I'm in WhatsApp, you know, sometimes a lad will forward on a photo. I was like, Jesus, you need to think about the kind of friends you have and also the fact that that's going to be a crime pretty soon. But, you know, there was such a casualness about it. Like, all oh, this happens all the time. Yeah. You know, so that's really difficult if you've been a woman. And, and don't forget that there was potentially children involved in this who who have to sit at home and hear this, that it was their fault that someone perpetuated this violence against them. Oh. By the way, what, what did you make of the story that's coming out from Carlo of the, the girls at the presentation college who've been told to stop wearing tight clothes because it's upsetting some of the male teachers and some of the male students? Well, do you know what? I'll have to say now, if, if, if no male teacher made that complaint, and I would find it actually very hard to believe that a male teacher with that complaint would make that complaint and that the response would be that as opposed to being like, what on earth are you saying? You know, like, that, you know, this like kind of unbeknownst sexism, like, you know, like someone saying, well, look, if you dress like that, I'm assuming that men are going to look at you in this way. You know, like it's also perpetuating something upon the male teachers who potentially really said nothing of the sort um, and perpetuating this kind of trope of young girls being overly sexualized and then kind of dragging everyone into the mud, if you will, like the male teachers being like, we said no such thing. And then the, the young girls being, this blame being put on them for something that they did neither did nor said. Um, so I think, uh, and, and like I remember being in school and the teachers being like, your skirts are too short. And I was like, this is the length the skirt is. I can't make it any longer. Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Just, you can't give out to me for the length you made the school uniform. You yeah, know, you, should, you should have had the nuns in our convent. They'd have been running, putting newspaper around you. Um, and and but I mean, these girls have been told that the leggings that they're wearing are too tight for PE, and they're showing off the female anatomy. I think it's great, actually, by the way, that the boys at the school are planning a protest, and they're going to go into school wearing leggings. Thought it was great at the boys, isn't it? Yeah, that's great. And you know what? Everyone loves a bit of a protest, you know. And there's nothing like when you're in school having something to get yeah, riled up yeah, about. And yeah. it's great to show that solidarity because you know there definitely would have been times when they would have nodded and agreed and then been laughing and teasing people for wearing different things. So it's great uh, to have that kind of solidarity um, from the boys. But I do, I, I have to admit, you know, like. I, the, the, it's something that obviously it's blown up across social media and uh, if the male teacher said no such thing this must be a really stressful where they're like where on earth did this come from we've had nothing to do with this yeah yeah My it, I, I, I'm sure more is going to come out um, yeah, on absolutely. it okay and just on the the laws around sharing intimate uh, images I think many people will be shocked to know that what are the current laws there are not actually laws in place no, there's not. I mean, there are, there are certain laws around harassment and other things, like, but you have to find a different way to circumvent it. But the actual sharing of someone's intimate image, sexual image, is not a crime in and of itself. Um, you know, we talked about this a couple of years ago. You know, as I said, when I was in USI, we talked about this. Like, it's been a crime in the UK since about 2015. And in the first year alone, 206 people were charged against it. So, you know, we are, are on, on the back foot on this. We, we are a little bit out of sync um, and in the three years since like that bill was written and it's been trudging through the legal system and you know bopping around the place, like 
there's been hundreds of people's lives affected by it where they've had no recourse because someone has committed this this, this violent and I, I, I really do use the word violent on this it is a violence against a, a person's body it's a violence against their personhood it's designed to control and shame sometimes used as a coercion and that is a violence Absolutely. I would say. Absolutely. Here's a good question in from a listener. When the new laws uh, come into being, will they cover if a person originally consented to a photo or a video? Well, if a person originally consented to a photo or a video to be sent to, for example, yourself, that was to be sent to you. It wasn't to be circulated to anyone else. Yeah, yeah. So that's where the line is. If it's very clearly that it would possibly be to me if someone sends an intimate photo to someone, unless they explicitly said you could share this around with everyone. You know, the, the consent is to the receiver, not for the receiver to send it on. So if you forward that image on or you put it up on the Internet, that is not what that was not consented to. Yeah. You will. That will be in, in breach of it. OK, and uh, but I, I'm, I, I can see a lot of people are just cannot believe that we need legislation, that these laws are not already in place. I'm assuming they'll get widespread support across the house I believe yes I believe yeah. so and like and, and you know I mean this this bill was due to come anyway before Christmas there has been a lot of pressure uh, on it because it, it also is in relation to online bullying and there's been a number of, of teenagers who have taken their lives due to severe online harassment and bullying and there's been no recourse or no the, per- the perpetrators of this couldn't be held to account so there has been pressure to get this bill through for quite some time but I, 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 and obviously the, the, the events in the past week have really ex- expediated the need if you will so I do believe there will be cross party support and um, the Minister is very committed to, to working with the Labour Party and with, with Deputy Brendan Howland to get this over the line and to really try and just deal with this you know the, 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 the online is a bit of a wild west um, and, and, and right now it's, it's it needs to be to controlled. Get away with these things, yeah. OK, yeah. listen, we'll let you go. I heard the bells ringing in the background for you there. They're calling you. Listen, <laughs> um, Annie, thank you for the chat. I really enjoyed it and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Okay, Have a great good, day. Uh, you too. Bye-bye. That is Labour Senator Annie Hoey talking about that uh, bill and the memo goes to Cabinet, uh, which will make it illegal to share uh, intimate uh, images. And I can see, I did tie it in. I can see somebody said, Patricia, would you ask Annie Hoey what she makes about the school management that has forbidden the female students wearing the skin-tight clothes for PE class in case it distracts the male teachers? And what about the male st- uh, students protesting about wearing uh, skin-tight clothes? Uh, close to school says Jim I did um, if I did bring it up there with uh, Annie uh, just to let people know in case they haven't seen this story it's all over the papers uh, today it's the presentation college in uh, Carlo and there was a series of assemblies were held in the school for female students from all the different year groups where the students were asked not to wear clothes and in particular they mentioned tight leggings for uh, PE um, and you know, various parents are quoted in the papers that saying that their that their daughters came home very upset and very angry about the assembly and saying you know that it was almost like they felt that they'd done something wrong by wearing these tight leggings. One parent who has two children at the school said the twelve year old was told that you're not allowed to show your ankles, your knees, no collarbones, basically no skin was allowed to be revealed while they were in school and they've been told the short skirts has come up again which is an issue I think in a lot of schools that the girls have a tendency to roll the 
anyone who's got a daughter will know exactly what I'm talking about roll the waistband and to make the skirts uh, shorter maybe when you when you went to school yourself you did the very same thing uh, but anyway this school is getting a lot of media attention I know there was a petition went up online and up to yesterday there was about 4,000 people had uh, signed it and as Jim mentioned there, the boys at the school are planning a protest where they're going to wear leggings in solidarity with their female classmates. So it'll be one of those things. That I think it's, it's gaining momentum. I think we're going to be hearing and seeing a lot more about it. But somebody says, is the idea of young girls respecting themselves, has that gone down with the Titanic? So there's somebody who is very much on the side of the school management and saying it's right that if wearing these tight leggings is distracting to male teachers or to pupils and something needs uh, to be done uh, about it. And there was somebody else on about it. Uh, Tim was on earlier saying congratulations to the school in Carlo for standing up for morality. I hope it starts something great. So there are a number of people out there who are very much with the school on this. Likewise, there are a lot of people with the young girls and the young pupils saying it isn't their fault if the if the male teachers shouldn't be distracted by what they are wearing. 1850 Your thoughts welcomed on that as well. And you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now Cork Craft and Design have announced a crafty new initiative to raise much needed funds for the wonderful Marymount Hospice in Cork. The craft members who come from Cork City and County have come together to donate a bumper prize package of over 25 raffle prizes of very high quality homemade crafts. To tell us more I'm joined from the group by Maeve Murphy. Good morning to you Maeve. Good morning to you. Now I've seen some of the pictures of some of the pieces they're absolutely stunning. I would want to win them all. Can you give us an example of some of the prizes that you have on offer? can indeed. So all of them are made by Cork makers who all live and work in Cork. So the first prize is a Spanish chestnut blanket box by furniture maker Anthony Yellward. So that's around €650. Second prize is a unique hand-quilted throw by, we call her the national treasure of quilting, which is Mary Palmer. And then we have um, some stained glass pieces, a gorgeous blue heron by Grange Bay Glass, who's based down in Clonakilty, and that's around €225. Euro. So the top prizes are absolutely phenomenal pieces. And to have them, if you were to win it, and to have that in your collection at home, they really make nice heirlooms to have and a gorgeous addition to any interior home. Absolutely. And they're all, each and every one of them are bespoke pieces. They're just, they really are beautiful. Have you done a raffle like this before, Maeve? We have indeed. I think in 2017 or 2018, the makers came together also for Marymount and under the title of Makers for Marymount. So it's led by one of our members, furniture maker Anthony Elward, and this cause is very close to Anthony's family and to him himself. So he came up with the idea that to bring some of the core craft and design members together to donate prizes for this fundraiser. So 100% of all proceeds do go to Mary. It's brilliant. It's, it's brilliant that 100%, you know, because they've, you've donated everything. So every single ticket that sold, the money will go and everybody knows the fantastic work of yes. uh, Marymount. Where are tickets on sale and how much are they? You can find all details on the... They're, they're, virtual tickets because of COVID. Okay. So they are on idonate.ie but you're more it's easier probably to go to 
Cork Craft and Design Facebook page and we have an event in there and people can find all the details in there. So on the Cork Craft and Design Facebook page. Have you uh, put an amount on how much you hope to raise, Maeve? 5,000. Whoa, um, okay. And I think we are, like, we've got a very good um, start to it. Great. We only released it last week. I think we're creeping up to 2,000 already. So it's pretty good. And And how, how how much are the tickets? The tickets are ten euro, 10 euro okay. per ticket. You can buy as many as you like, okay. um, and then the raffle will take place. So we're holding um, the first ever Christmas market. So it's all Cork-made businesses at our Made in Cork Boy Christmas market in St Patrick's, One Mills, and Douglas. So those markets are taking place on the sixth and the thirteenth of December. And on the 13th of December, the raffle will take place at that Christmas market. Okay, well done. Tell me a bit about your group, Cork Craft and Design. As you say, uh, everyone everyone hailing from Cork City and County, have you many members? We've got over 100 members. So it's a social enterprise membership organisation. And we've over 100 makers all living and working in Cork. So it's mainly small enterprises. The group was set up by makers themselves wanting to work together towards a craft and design community and sustaining that and making Cork recognised as a centre for excellence for craft and design. So it's around 15 years old and they have a makers collective shop in St. Patrick's Runnimills in Douglas that's run by the makers themselves. So if you were to walk through the door, there's a maker working there and you get to meet them and their work. And all of the other items are on display and sale in that shop as well, is it? Yes, exactly. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so um, it's uh, like amazing that the makers have created this themselves as far as their own sector to promote the work that they do. So it's really like embodying, supporting local. And, and a lot of these will just be working away themselves in their own homes. Exactly. So it's a really good way to, for them to connect with other makers within the community. And um, so some of them just like might meet anybody else outside of the studio. So when they come into the shop, and work in the shop again, get to meet other makers and get to meet the customers as well. Has it been a tough year for the members? It has indeed. So we op- when we opened back up in June, we had our best few months ever. And only around uh, two weeks ago, we actually launched our click and collect service. So, so if you go to corkcraftanddesign.com, you can buy online and collect from the shop. The makers, I know they are just so overwhelmed with how much people are not just talking about supporting local they're actually actioning it so it's been it's been like so busy for every single maker it's wonderful that's fantastic i mean this is the essence of shopping local and supporting uh, local this could be a craft person who lives down the road from you you know or, or lives in your neighboring town or village it's 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 fantastic and as you say it's it's cork craft and design you can see it on the facebook pages and we wish you uh, buckets of luck with this raffle because i think it's a lovely idea but well done to all of the craft people you know to donate their items it's a, it's yeah. a really generous generous thing to do Okay, listen, Maeve, thank you for that. Thank you, bye. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Uh, Bye-bye. Maeve Murphy there from the Cork Craft and Design uh, Group. As I say, I've seen photographs of some of the items that they're they're raffling and they just, I just love each and every one of them. They're beautiful. So if you go onto their Facebook page and go click onto the event, you'll be able to see the items as well. Cork Craft and Design. 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text their WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can see... 
lot of comments coming in about that school in Carlo that have told the called in all the female pupils. They did a series of assemblies where the assemblies were held for each class for first years, second years, third years, etc. And they were all told to stop wearing leggings or tight bottoms for PE. Um, and the students were told they cannot show off the female anatomy. And they were told that it was a distraction to the male teachers and to the male pupils and it's generating a lot of reaction I have to say online and I can see by the calls coming in here a lot of reaction to the programme I won't get to them before news at 12 but I certainly will take a look at them and uh, we'll we'll take a look at them after news at 12 midday so we need to take a break to head to, to the newsroom also looking for your gardening questions because Peter Dowdell our resident gardener will be joining us answering all your questions so, but it is a lovely day if you have been pottering around the garden it's the place to be for sure 1850 Bernie and Sadie are taking the calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 this is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. The way it's looking like the cabinet meeting is now being scheduled for one o'clock on Friday with the announcement of what moving from level five to level three will look like and what various stages will there be within level three. That announcement is expected to be made at six o'clock on Friday evening by, I'm assuming, at Micheál Martin. That's what it's looking like at at the moment. Keep your gardening questions coming in for Peter. I can see some coming in. 1850 or you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Now, last Monday on the programme, we had a heartbreaking interview with Irene O'Connor, who spoke about the death of her only child, Bavine, in September from a congenital heart defect and how the family were now organising this act of kindness fundraiser in her her memory and at the same time they were hoping to raise money for the Make-A-Wish children's charity. Everyone was so touched by the interview we decided to check in with Make-A-Wish just to see how they are doing especially this year with everything that's been going on with uh, COVID-19. The Chief Executive of Make-A-Wish, Susan O'Dwyer, uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you Susan. Good afternoon. How are uh, you? I'm very well and, and you're very welcome. Now as I said when I was speaking with Irene on Monday, I mean, to lose a child absolutely goes against nature. And your organisation, you're dealing with children and families who are, by their very nature, extremely vulnerable. Can it be very heartbreaking work? Um, It can. Um, But you know something? It's those children and those families that keep driving us. Um, the children and their families are incredibly resilient. Um, they're they're very positive, um, and you know they keep going. So we keep going because, from our point of view, um, it is really critical. You know those children really need us now more than ever. Uh, they need the hope, the strength, the happiness, the memories that a wish granted can bring to that family. And when you talk to a family. You know, every single one of them says that, you know, while the wish is being granted or even in the journey up to the wish, you know, the treatment, the injections, the hospitals, the doctors, everything, you know, is put to one side because there is this complete joy that something that they, you know, didn't believe was possible has been made possible. And we try to eliminate all worries, all challenges and, you know, really get down into it with the family as to what the concerns are so that the wish itself 
is just a moment or a time of complete happiness. Yeah, and I think it's after the child has passed. I mean, certainly talking with Irene about Bavin's uh, dream. Oh. And when that happened, it's it's what now herself and own her husband, the memories they've been left with. Like I mo- had a money long conversation. Can't... Yeah, the long conversation with Irene yesterday, and you know, my heart breaks. You know, um, but again, it's that resilience of these parents. Yeah, you know, they're just incredible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How have you operated this year, um, Susan? I mean, I'm assuming that a number of the wishes had to be put on hold. Yes, they did, unfortunately. I mean, this will be, uh, I'm with the organisation quite a while now, and this is the first year that, you know, we will have done less than 100 wishes in a year, um, which is heartbreaking for us because, as I said, children need us. But we basically had to reinvent the organisation its entirety, not just from a fundraising point of view, but even in how we were delivering the wishes. So back in fe- end of February last year, or this year, or it feels like last year already, I know, yeah. um, the, uh, we actually had to stop our travel wish because our children are so vulnerable. So, you know, we had to go back to a number of children who had already articulated that they wished to travel and say we weren't doing this. And we had to come, you know, talk to them and see what other type of wish they'd like to grant. And that was difficult. And... You know, so we basically still doing the to meet, to have, and I wish to, to, to be. And we've also changed the to go in relation to staycations within Ireland. Okay. But again, some of those have had to be postponed because of level five restrictions. Um, even down to, you know, looking at how we are actually going out to capture a child's wish, to find out the information about the wish. So we've trained our volunteers now in virtual wish capture. Um, even down to sending, so if a child wishes to have an iPad or, uh, you know, we're sending a hamper or we're sending something to them, we're really conscious that the parents may be worried about actually accepting a parcel into the house. Mm. So it, it's it's literally looking at every single one of our processes and trying to ensure, again, focus is always child-driven. So how do we ensure that we keep the children safe but bring that joy bring that happiness to them. Yeah, and I suppose for some of the children, if it was a travel one, it could, you could put it off and say, look, we'll, we'll look at it next year. Please got a vaccine it'll be here and we'll all be able to travel again. But for some of the children, time isn't on their side. No, and also we have to be very conscious that, you know, we know that if you say to a child, OK, you're going to have or you're going to go or something to a child, it's happening. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we, we've had to make the decision that travel is actually off the cards for this year and next um, because we, we don't know what's happening and we don't want to turn around to a child and say, I know we said we'd do this and we promised, but in fact we can't do it now. Um, so what we're doing is we're working with the families in relation to making the wishes as magical as possible. And, you know, if, if your listeners were to go on makeawish.ie, there is the most beautiful video there now which actually depicts some of the truly magical wishes that were granted this year already. Well done. I'm, I'm even blown away that you've said that you, you managed to do less than 100. I was expecting you to say we cancelled all of our wishes. Uh, I mean, no, how many... We, we how many do, do anything you, for our children. Wow, you're great. How many do you normally do on, 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 on when the world was normal? When, when the world was normal, yes, pre-COVID. Uh, we would do over 200 a would year. Would you? Wow, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm assuming even 
there's probably a drop in applications even. Is there people coming forward to say we want to wish? There is. Um, yes, there certainly was at the very beginning because just parents were just, you know, the level of, of concern they have on a normal uh, day basis in relation to their child uh, has now been totally exacerbated. So it's, well, you know, Make-A-Wish probably won't be able to do anything for me, so we're not applying. Or they're just focused on how they can get their child safely into a hospital appointment or into a doctor. Um, But, you know, the the applications are still coming in, just not to the same level. But we will still have in the region of over 200 wishes on our waiting list at the end of this year. And when you say that the children, Susan, need you now more than ever, I'm assuming the whole COVID and, you know, a very unwell child trying to be cocooned by the family and trying to protect, Mm. that's obviously a major concern. Oh, completely. I mean, I I remember talking to a family early on in this and, you know, that they were unsure if they could even allow the carers into the house. Wow. You know, so, you know, I know we're all going through hell, but, you know, it's just when you talk to some of these um, families and you realise that that's totally exacerbated in relation to this underlying fear, panic, that, you know, COVID could come in on, on top of the illness that these children have. Oh, you know, I know after interviewing Irene on Monday, I, I made that point at the end where we're all complaining about we haven't got this and we can't do that and what are we going to do at Christmas and I can't buy this and I can't see this one. It's, it all pales into significance when you hear a story well, like we that. Well, we had a volunteer who, who sent in a note to us the other day and I tell you, it really resonated with me and touched me and Basically, she'd been talking to one of our wish children and she'd said to the wish child that she'd put her uh, Christmas tree up early because it had been such a rough year. And the child turned around and said, well, actually, it's been a good year for me. And she asked him why. And he said, because after four years, I'm leukemia free. And she turned around to me and said, OK, well, now for me personally, um, 2020, I'm going to see it as a good year um, because, you know, it's been good for you. And... The child just beamed and she just sort of said it's made her year to, to realise wow. that, wow. you know, this child is, is happy. Okay. And the other thing that we need to talk about, um, Susan, is is funding. Is it true you don't receive any state funding? None. And you've never received state funding? No. So we rely entirely on the generosity of the general public and they are amazing. They really are. Um, but this is, you know, we've had to completely get very, very creative, innovative in relation to how we fundraise. So most of our fundraising is virtual now. Um, and we've come up with this campaign uh, supported by SPAR, our, our corporate partner. And obviously Keith Barry has come on board as our latest ambassador, as head of magic. Fantastic guy. He's a great guy. In, we're, we've come up with the Christmas campaign, Believe in Magic, because our children believe anything is possible. And therefore, we're sort of saying, look, help us and our children believe anything is possible, believe in magic. And we're asking people to go online onto makeawish.ie, look at the video, really understand what it is we do and the impact, because all you'll see are the smiles. And uh, make a donation, no matter how small, it all makes a difference. Well, it'll make a difference in a very precious child and their families' lives uh, as well. Listen, keep doing what you're doing because it is thank incredible so work. And uh, we thank you uh, for taking time out to talk to us today. 
Thanks a million. Good morning right, to bye-bye. you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That is uh, Susan O'Dwyer, who is Chief Executive of the Make-A-Wish. And if you're, you know, people are thinking about trying to donate to charities, it certainly is a charity that is very, very worthy of our support. They do the most incredible work. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Celebrate a real Cork Christmas. Find out more at corkcoco.ie Kildallery Community Development are holding their weekly lotto draw that will be on tomorrow Thursday, 4 o'clock in the afternoon in the community office with a jackpot this week of €1,300. And Pieta House is encouraging the nation to choose hope over silence this Christmas by placing a candle in your window at 7pm tomorrow night Thursday to represent hope instead of moments of silence they're urging people to call a friend talk to a family member or a housemate or join in their social media hashtag hope over silence conversation to help us all feel connected this Christmas and our own JP is organising a virtual run in aid of Marymount Hospice this coming Saturday you can run, walk or jog within your five kilometre radius while adhering to government guidelines of course you can check out JP's Instagram for full details and help him raise much needed funds for Marymount You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 103 And just some of your texts and comments in with regard to victim blaming over intimate photographs being shared and in particular a huge amount of response to the story breaking out of Carlo of the female students who were told not to wear tight fitting clothes for PE class because it was a distraction to male teachers and to the other men male pupils and it was just the female pupils who were called into these assemblies to be told about the clothes that they should and shouldn't be wearing. Some of your thoughts. Hi Patricia. If it's distracting the male teachers, maybe the male teachers are in the wrong job. Hi Patricia says Anne in Ballin Temple. Listening about the children being given out to about wearing improper clothing. These adults should get their priorities right and concentrate more on the deadly virus and not make life harder for all those children growing up in very very uncertain times. Hi Patricia, a sad day for all if young schoolgirls had to dress to keep male teachers from getting too excited. Speaking to the males in the school, the principal should be doing, not the girls, if he or she is from the dark age. I thought it was a joke when I heard it at first. At some of your WhatsApps in, some of your app, some of your texts in as well. Nobody boos the guardies, says this texter, when they advise people not to make their homes safe from burglars because it makes sense to make things as difficult as possible for the burglars. So why is it so taboo to suggest that young women and men exercise similar care with their bodies by having respect for themselves? What does the word respect mean to people today? Respect should start with self. It can't be all left to uh, others. Well, are you suggesting that all female girls then should wear burqas when they're going into school so as not to distract the males? Sean wants to know, is is there a dress code in that school? I'm with the principal on this one. Yes, there is a dress code. And actually the reason for the wearing of the leggings and how the leggings has come up, it's because of the pandemic. Students were allowed to wear tracksuit bottoms to school on PE days instead of getting changed in the school. And it seems some of the leggings that they're wearing rather than baggy tracksuit bottoms, they're wearing tight 
leggings and that is causing a distraction to male teachers and to the uh, pupils. Meg says, honestly, it is time that schools took control of what teenagers wear. I wore miniskirts, but I wasn't a teenager, says uh, Meg. Someone else says there should be a code of dress for schools and the parents should be responsible for their children. Joe and Damanway says, when I went to school back in the 80s, skirts were knee length, no higher. The uniform was pretty strict. That's no problem as it instilled discipline. Something, Joe says, teenagers now nowadays don't seem to have and anyway she says I don't I didn't have the legs for short skirts says uh, Joe Peter says sorry now Patricia if the male teachers are that easily distracted they should consider another career or put more effort into their chosen vocation and then a texter says this is on the sharing of intimate Im- images morning Patricia could you please explain to me why people would pose nude and let somebody take a photo and then they're up in arms if it's shared the mind boggles Okay, if a person poses nude to have their photograph taken, it's obviously in a very intimate relationship. So say, for example, you and I, I don't know if this is a male or a female texter, are in an intimate relationship and we decide to share a nude photograph of each other for each other. When I take the photograph of you, it's taken because you're in agreement and it's taken to be shared with me and nobody else. Is it not wrong then when we fall out that I decide to share your image all over the place just because we've had a fallen out. Remember there's a thing called revenge porn. So the mind boggles that you would even think that there's something wrong with sharing it and that it's okay to share it just because the person agreed to the photograph being taken. And remember the photographs that went viral this week, a lot of those were taken without consent. There was photographs taken of what are now adults but were teenagers at the time in changing rooms, etc. So a lot of them were taken without consent. But even if there was consent, it still does not give the person the right to then say after the event, well, I don't like you anymore, I've fallen out with you, so I can now share the picture just to embarrass you or to make little of you. The mind boggles that you would even suggest that that is is okay. Joan says teenagers this is on the Carlo school. Teenagers will be teenagers. The female teachers might be jealous of those young girls' figures and the male teachers shouldn't be teaching if they have a problem with how the young girls are dressing. This shouldn't be a big deal. It's all kind of sexist really. I see them sometimes rolling up their skirts when they're leaving schools. It's just a phase in life that they go through and no doubt they will grow out of it. Billy says stop beating around the bush here. These young ones going around with clothes that look like they're painted on them. I imagine it's a lot of pressure for the girls that don't. Fair play to Mary Lou MacDonald from the Sinn Féin party this morning who said the uniform should be worn as appropriate. Whatever happened to a person's virtue? And Marie says if there is if that is the way the teachers are thinking of their students, then really should they be teaching uh, girls? And Conan Watergrass Hill says, everybody has a right to wear whatever they want without being sexualised. The men and the boys in the school should not be so sensitive. OK, that's just a sample of some of the texts and calls uh, coming in. And then on other issues, just staying with children in schools. Anne in Skibbereen says the children in uh, a school that she knows are not allowed to wear their jackets and the windows are kept open because we're told ventilated rooms all day. Today is a very cold day. She reckons that some of the children are absolutely perished. The parents have complained but they got nowhere. I would get the parents to keep complaining until they are listened to. And just sorry, back to the Carlo um, 
school for a moment. The principal in the Carlow School says that what happened at those assemblies this week has been blown out of all proportion. It's a male principal. I was trying to find out it was a male or female. It's a gentleman by the name of Ray Murray. He's described comments on social media about the school as scandalous. He says it's damaging to staff. Mr Murray said it was untrue that female students were asked not to wear leggings or tight tracksuit bottoms. He said that at assemblies, staff had only reminded students to abide by the school dress code and wear the PE uniform properly. I tell you, there's more going to come out on this on this school. I tell you, when we have not heard the end of uh, end of that, because now you've got you've now got the principal saying that all of the children at all of the assemblies all misunderstood what was said. Let's watch this uh, space. Okay, hi, uh, Patricia says Pat. Why don't people stop talking about this virus? It will pass. Just enjoy a nice, quiet, peaceful, peaceful Christmas, like we all did long ago, with the oil lamp hanging on the wall and a few candles on the dresser. We all sat around the fire listening to Christmas stories on the radio. Happy Christmas to you and yours. Let's bring it back to basics, uh, says uh, Pat. That's some questions in for Peter. Hi Patricia, I think it's terrible that the wet pubs are to remain closed. One of your previous texters made a lot of sense with the off-licences being opened. It makes no sense to me. They need to close the off-licence. And a North Cork driver says, thank God Patricia, the traffic lights are off by the clock house in Mallow. Traffic is flowing so much better. The amount of people times that those traffic lights get switched off for whatever reason they break down or whatever and people say the traffic flows better when the traffic lights are off and the traffic lights were put in place to allow for the traffic to flow better but a lot of people uh, disagree. And just a final text, Prish, I'm, I'm watching the Dahl report on TV over the past couple of weeks and there seems to be a big debate by the government as to why they don't want to debate the Judge Wolf affair this is back to the golf gate and Judge Wolf and he there and should he be resigning or not. What are they hiding from? If they spent half as much time debating the B thing and got finished with it once and for all and don't it doesn't look good we've what we've been watching. Have they any shame? says this Dexter. They're talking so much about not wanting to debate and you're right, I hadn't actually thought of it that way. They have been for weeks talking about why they shouldn't be debating it and why Helen McEntee, the Minister for Justice, shouldn't be in the door answering questions. Yeah, they would have had it well done and sorted by now for sure. Okay, we are now going to turn our attention to gardening. Peter Dowdle joins after the ad break if you've got any questions get them in please 1850 3310 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 Cork today on C103 call Patricia with your comment 
And we've just lost Peter completely. And I actually know the answer to Mia's question because it comes up every single year. It means that the daffodils, it's the actual, the actual terminology is the daffodil has gone blind. What Mia, what you need to do is you need to dig up the daffodils and the bulbs will be in clusters together. Then you simply just break up the clusters of bulbs and replant them and you'll have loads more daffodils uh, the next year. And it is, it's quite a common thing. And it's one of those things that comes up all the time. Okay, we're going to try and give Peter another go. Uh, we lost you straight away. The minute, the minute, the minute you're back with us. I'm, I'm laughing because this time last week you were talking about Air's customer service. So we better not go there. I know, and they're, they're actually in before the Iraq this today. And I, did you hear Mia's question about the daffodils? No, sorry. I okay, she because I, I answered it while we were waiting for you to, to to get through. It's one of the few gardening things experience I have. Our daffodils didn't bloom at all. The foliage came up, but she didn't get any flowers. They've been blooming for about twenty years, and suddenly uh, last year she got none. And I was explaining they're gone blind. That's exactly right. So what happens is, uh, you know, to get 20 years out of them is pretty good. Normally, I would say every five or six years, you should lift a clump of daffodils uh, and divide them because the, the root system uh, and the bulb plate just gets congested. So the bulbs don't don't get the space to develop fully. So, yeah, lift them every five or six years, divide them. And, of course, you get you end up getting plenty more daffodils for free that way. Uh, and it'll reinvigorate the original clump as well. Kate has a what she describes as a mushroom-like fungus on her lawn. It grows in a semicircle. She said, if about the last two years how does she get rid of it how does she get rid of it is it yeah yeah so my, my first question we had a similar question last week Trish and my first my first response to that is why do you want to get rid of it because and I don't say that facetiously I'm not being tongue in cheek it's because it's probably not doing any harm uh, and the, the, the amount of work you need to do to get to, to fix that problem is huge time and it's, they're, they're a critical part of, of the tapestry. In fact have a look at my Facebook page Irish Gardener this morning I put up a post which has been many pictures sent by many different people of all the different mushrooms and toadstools that they've seen this autumn and some of them are really really attractive. Um, so I wouldn't be in a rush to do anything. It's caused by, I mean it's caused by nature, it's natural. Uh, they they Poor drainage, compacted soil can lead to the build-up of fungal activity. Uh, a drench with uh, copper sulphate mixed with water will help to, to to maybe kill it. But as I say, I'd be I'd be very slow to, to go at it unless it's actually doing any harm. And yeah, I, can't I, how it I, li- is. I like the look of them. I have to say. Yeah, so I wouldn't be in a rush. I mean, the, the, you, you need to go into excavating the soil out of it, really, to get it right, getting getting rid of the soil that's there, digging into a depth of a few feet, putting in fresh soil, and there's nothing to say it won't come back. So. Well, I'm not dodging the question I, I, at yeah, all, okay. or more the opposite. I'm saying I don't see it as a problem. OK. Hi, Peter. Can you set bare root hedging now, or is the ground too wet, and how far would I leave them? How how far would I, I, I take it? What's the space between them? No, I think we are going to have to, no, we're just going to have to leave it with uh, with Peter. He's just in a shocking bad uh, area when it comes to uh, reception. Listen, I'll tell you what I'll do because there's a lot of questions in and my apologies because I know Peter loved, uh, people love to hear Peter on the programme. Uh, we'll make a note of all of those questions and uh, I'll kick off with them next week and we'll try and get Peter on a little bit earlier next week so that we can have a longer session uh, with him. So our apologies on that. Okay, can I just go back to some of your thoughts 
thoughts uh, coming in. Uh, Stephen in County Kerry says, Patricia, I'm late tuning into your programme, but I've picked up on this uh, issue about the school uniforms and what's happened in the school in Carlo. There was no uniforms in my day in the technical college where I went and I didn't see it do anybody any harm. In fact, we were probably more disciplined than the pupils of today and that included the convent girls who, by the way, did have to wear uniforms. I can tell you that their skirts were short and so what, says uh, Stephen. And then somebody else says, Patricia, on that school in Carlo, it sounds a little bit like the Taliban. If male teachers can't control themselves, then surely they are in the wrong profession. And then another listener is, oh, this is the listener who was saying that people need to respect themselves, both males and uh, females. And I said, what are you saying that girls should wear a burqa to school instead and the texter is back saying uh, I was speaking in general Patricia not with reference to what happened in that particular school in uh, Carlo Uh, you don't have to wear a burqa to respect yourself that wasn't fair respect is important and it's true it was was a throwaway comment on my behalf that I shouldn't have made so I I do apologise for it but the reason that I made it at the exact time that I read out your text I can't get over the number of people that are victim blaming the number of people that are saying the girls are wrong for wearing wearing the tight uh, leggings and the same when I did the interview early on in the programme with Senator Annie Hoey who's talking about the the sharing of intimate photographs and that you know suddenly we, we now have to introduce laws to make that illegal and rightly so and that some people see, see that the, it's the girl and it is mainly young girls now you can have the sharing of intimate photographs of males as well but there's a tendency to, to happen to more girls and young girls than men but the amount of people are saying it was the girl that was wrong for allowing the photograph to be taken in, in the first place and this whole thing of victim blaming and that's why I made that f- f- flippant comment to you about the, the burqa so, so I, I apologise I shouldn't have been so flippant and I know where you're coming from and I know what you're talking about when you talk about respect and how important respect uh, is Anne says with regard to what those girls are wearing the male teachers should be more mature and control their own sexual desires and as far as the principal he should be reminded we are no longer living in the dark days and people now have freedom of choice and we all have freedom of choice with what we are allowed to uh, wear so there are a lot of people I have to say who are quite taken aback even though as I say the the principal has come out and has reckoned it's all been blown out of all proportion. Now I do have time because I didn't get to do this yesterday. Do I have time I do I can squeeze this in we were talking yesterday about how tough it's been on businesses and we've been talking about this for the last number of months how tough it's been on businesses with everything that's been going on with the pandemic so it was fantastic to hear that here in Cork there's been a number of new businesses have started up and start up a new business during a pandemic is a very brave thing to do so Fiona Corcoran our senior news reporter went out and spoke to two people who decided to operate and open up a new business during a pandemic The layoff started very quickly and you know got a few months into that and you know going crazy pulling my hair out wondering what I should do and I suppose I started to think about what my passions were and what my motivators are in life and um, I suppose you know when I was put into that situation it, it made me look kind of fairly deep inside and find out what exactly I wanted to do. Like thousands of people across the country, COVID-19 left aircraft maintenance engineer Colin Braham out of a job. Facing an uncertain future, Colin decided to open a bike repair shop. Go Bike opens in Maham Point next week. The first stage is to um, get the workshop going and 
carry out the repairs to all sorts of bikes. And then the next stage of the business is to bring in the bicycles and start the sales and support the sales with my repair shop. Is he nervous about opening a business at this time? Yeah, th- I mean, definitely the, there is uncertainty and um, it, it plays on your mind. But I'd also say that it's, it's something that gets you to think outside the box. You know you're not going back to your other career quickly, so you have to reinvent yourself, really. And um, I've had a lot of support from people. My family, my friends, Man Point were very supportive of this idea as well. The pandemic also left musician Jamie Hennebury with a lot more time in his hands. With no performance opportunities, the keen drummer saw this as his chance to start something he always wanted to do. As a family, we always said we'd love to do something and we have a bit of a passion for food and I got the short straw to, uh, to come and run the shop which I duly obliged and, and to be honest with you it has been challenging. It was a couple of months before we could kick started off uh, but since, since we did start it's been very very positive. Jamie along with his family now run Toppers in Turner's Cross. It's a traditional chip shop but we've gone for chips with toppings with um, say um, different aspects of food like pork uh, that you might possibly not get inside the, your traditional chipper. Yeah. So, and we mix it then with different homemade sauces, and we mix stuff, and we put them on the grill, and we try and put it out as fresh as, fresh as we can to the customer. He says people who want to start a business should follow their heart. If you commit to something in your head, and especially with our, us as a family, we, we said, right, this is what we're going to do. And, and sometimes if you look at obstacles, you, there might be a fear factor. So I... I I think if if someone is going to start a business, go with your heart, go with your gut. It's just be positive about it and see how successful you can be. Colin and Jamie have the support of their family, but Enterprise Ireland is reminding people that they are there to help, as CEO Julie Cinnamon explains. What we always find is in times of economic downturn, there are a lot of people who then decide, well, this is it. I really want to take control of my own destiny and start up my own company. And there's never been more supports available than there are at present. So I'd say go for it. Go to either your local enterprise office or Enterprise Ireland or whoever and avail of the support even to help you tease out your idea. And and it's a really good time to start a company. And our thanks to Fiona for that uh, package and once again congratulations and well done to Jamie and Colin and we wish them lots of luck in their new businesses. That's where I leave you. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM 
for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.